You're listening to episode 54 of the STEM Space. Today, we'll start out with a creativity challenge that you can use as a bell ringer in your classroom. And then we're going to dive into all things teamwork and how to facilitate good teamwork in your classroom. Let's get started. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. How's it going? It's going great. So I have something I want to ask you. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that I asked my students this past week. Mm. And I just want to see what your response is. Can't wait. You have been so well trained by me. (laughs) Or tortured. (laughs) So I have a question. Okay, bring it on. What is this? First, maybe describe to our listeners what you're looking at. Okay, so Claire is holding up a rectangular sheet of paper. It's almost like a manila folder kind of. Okay, I'm describing the wrong thing. On this sheet of paper is a attempt at a black <laughs> square filled in right. black square, but it's it can be critical. <laughs> attempt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? A black square. Okay. I keep going. Mm-hmm. Like what's inside it? Like, am I imagining things? Is it an optical illusion? Whatever you think. Just what is it? Do I ask questions? <laughs> That's what I learned last time. <laughs> I mean, you can. What was the purpose of the square that you drew, Claire? I just want you to tell me what it is. Um, it almost reminds me of like the check boxes when you go to like fill out a form and then you like click it and then it like colors in the box. Okay. I feel like I've like completed something. <laughs> so you feel accomplished when you look at I this? I feel accomplished. <laughs> but also I feel like it's the black void. Like it's mm. Pandora's box. Like all the demons are in this box. <laughs> so don't open it. <laughs> that went dark quickly. <laughs> You're just letting me go here. I am. <laughs> so... I'll stop you so you don't don't continue down this very dark path. I drew a black square on my whiteboard the other day and I asked every class, I started with saying, what is this? And I pointed to it. And as expected, they started answering like you did. They said, it's a black square. And then we're just like stuck. And some kids were like, well, I mean, I guess a square is technically a rectangle. So maybe it's a rectangle. Someone like naming other geometric shapes or it's, is it a cube? And we just only see one side. It's like, okay. But they could not get past it being just a black square, which is what I expected until I got to my preschool class. And what was interesting is I pointed to it and I said, what is this? And they like went nuts. I, one kid said it was a square. They're three. And they're like, no, it's a charger. And they're like, no, no, it's like when you, you're building and like, it's a Lego, it's the bottom of a Lego. And one is like, oh, it's a, it's the ceiling. And it was really dark outside. And I mean, they were all over the place and just saying all sorts of stuff. And I thought, yes, we are not telling them there is just one answer. And that's where all of my other classes 
even though they've been in STEM with me for two years, they looked at it and like, nope, it is the answer. Even one student you'll hear because I'm posting a video about it uh, showing so the listeners can actually see there's proof of exactly what the student said. Yeah. One listener said, well, is, is that the right answer? Did I get it? And I was like, no, this is the point. Like, there, why would there be a right answer? Like, what is this? And so they started to say, oh, well, it, it's a black hole, except it's, you know, you just see the square part of it. It's because the camera lens is square. And then they, once I opened it up that way, and I said, you know, you've been told that this is a square, but in this class, do we ever use anything for what it was intended to be? And they were kind of like, wait, what? And so I said, I have a stack of cups on my makerspace. Have you ever drank out of <laughs> those cups? And they're like, well, no. I said, so then what is this? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, and then they started naming all sorts of things and they're really creative. And that's what I really hope that they get out of the things that I'm doing in my class is that there is not one right answer. I don't want you to look at something and then automatically be like, no, it has to be this. This is what it has to be used for because this is what it is. No, you're, you made it that way or somebody's told you it's this, but that's not what we do in here. <laughs> and that's not what engineers Ooh. should do. I want you to be able to look at something and think about what it could be. So. That's really deep. I like that. I did not know that's where we were going with this. <laughs> <laughs> you thought there had to be one right answer. Hey, I gave a couple out of, out of the box answers. <laughs> you did out of Pandora's box. I've, yeah. I've been untrained with my <laughs> STEM <laughs> education, but that is really fascinating and a really great, brain teaser to start with and to have kids realize that I wonder when they were answering this were they always looking at you for validation yes that's a great question yeah they were trying to see if I was like okay so I'd always say okay instead of yes and that is something mm -hmm. I've learned in grad school that I never even realized that's the problem with giving praise in a classroom and accepting certain answers from students um, and this is in a science context, whenever you're trying to pull stuff out of kids, you have to be really careful to stay neutral and kind of guide the discussion where you want it to go. But don't say, yes, Jimmy, you're right. That's the right answer. Let them really struggle with it and accept all their answers. And that helps them kind of not just look to you for validation. They look internally and yeah, I just love that. And so I think that what you're doing, that activity is really insightful. And I'm excited for other teachers to try it and get a read on their own classroom. But the preschool results, like that is cool. Yeah. So I'd like to know more about what's going on in the developmental process between the preschool to more structured learning environments. Is it because teachers are giving this validation of, no, there's one right answer, you got it, this is what it is, or are they allowing that creativity to flourish a little bit more? And maybe we're not allowing enough flexibility there, which obviously there are so many contexts where you can't, like math, there is one answer, right. your test, there's a one right answer. But we do need to make sure that we're not like snuffing out that creativity in our kids. Especially right now, I'm in an invention convention in the middle of that, and my kids get so stuck on things. Like, you got to quit thinking that way. Yeah. 
And so I hope to do more exercises like this that sets the tone of thinking outside the box. And I remember doing the marshmallow spaghetti challenge. There's mm -hmm. like a whole website on it. And they actually did a research project on seeing which grade levels were the best at completing this challenge. And they found that the pre-K and kindergarten students were the most creative and were able to get to a solution that worked quicker because they were just willing to try lots of different options. Whereas people like in, they even had PhDs do it. And those were very like analytical and very careful and were just too scared to even build anything because they were just planning and had it to be perfect. And I think that reflects what you kind of found with your black square. Absolutely. Yeah. Think outside the black square. That's right. <laughs> So there's another topic that we need to address because we got another email, Natasha. Ooh, yes, I love emails. So I'm going to read it. And this is from Robert. And he asks, he said, this is my second year as a school STEM teacher. And he is teaching second and third grade. He sees the class once a week. He said, I, as great as my job is, I am struggling with teams working together. So much arguing, fighting, crying, etc. I need all the teamwork advice I can get. Most groups are only three people, which I feel like is a good number. But I have groups where one student does everything and others that can't agree on the color of the sky. Thank you for any help. <laughs> so this is a common problem, teamwork, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you tackle this because I know you're kind of living this right now with your students. So what was your reaction to this email? So this is, I mean, this is huge. And I feel like there is never a teacher that has not struggled with this, even if you have really good classroom management skills. And I think that is key is having good classroom management where students know what's expected of them and has some sort of goal that students can achieve by working well together as a team. So we've talked about previously in an early episode of this podcast, how I use awesome points. And that is a way where students know that in my class, if you are encouraging to one another, if you are working well as a team, if you're sharing ideas, if you're doing positive self-talk, like, Ooh, I have a great idea or Hey guys, let's work together on this then I give you a pom-pom and you get to add it to your class's jar. And at the end of the year, whoever has the most pom-poms gets a party. And so it's, <laughs> it's been a really visual. Yeah. Yes. It's been a really good motivator. I also take them away. So if I hear Ooh. kids arguing in a team, it's like, Ooh, you just lost a awesome point from your class. Ouch. So that is a good strategy. Another thing that we talked about in episode 51 is the six thinking hats. So actually assign team roles. I know you've assigned team roles before in different things, Natasha. And yeah. I think having kids have ownership of where they are as far as their job in a team it's, really helps. Yeah. And I think three is a good number. I will agree with that. Do you mm -hmm. agree with yes. that as three? As, I mean, max. it depends on as max. Yeah. And I've done teams of six at middle school, but they have very specific roles. When I would put them in big teams and I just would throw them at a design challenge and they didn't really know who was doing what, you can imagine what happened. A couple of the kids would do all the work and the rest are just goofing off, running around the library or wherever we're located. And I think that is 
maybe some of it, like you said, classroom management, but also just knowing what's expected and having something to do. If there's not enough work for the students to do, you got to find, <laughs> whether it's a coloring sheet or <laughs> something that they can be occupied with and take ownership of is really important. Absolutely. And I think something also that we started doing with our engineering design challenges is breaking up how we do the brainstorming phase. And that has really been helpful for me is that instead of as a group, they brainstorm, because then usually it's one kid that's like, oh, no, my idea is the best. <laughs> and this is what we're going to do. And here's my idea. And all yours are not going to work because we should do this one. And then that's when the other kids get discouraged and or fight is that we have them individually brainstorm individually think about what the materials are that they're going to use, how they can use them, even individually design, and then come together as a team and discuss so that there's nobody that can just cop out and be like, eh, I'll let them do it. They're more passionate about it. <laughs> right. And then sometimes I'll even say your final design has to incorporate something from each of your team members. And so then that's they good. have to get along and they have to all do the work. So that's really are, helpful. And like you pointed out, these are skills that aren't just innate. Often mm -hmm. we need to support our students to build those skills. And we talk about the three stages of STEM a lot, but just as a refresher, you really need to build that foundation of teamwork and communication. And that's stage one. And we've, we've mentioned straw towers and these other team challenges don't have the engineering design and the math and the science component but that doesn't mean they're not valuable and before you can move on to a design challenge of the space lander or the drag device or straw rockets you've got to build that foundation of can they even work together and take out the content decontextualize it and just have them focus on communicating and there's like the robonaut challenge was one that i did out of frustration because the students were just not talking to each other. And that's where I had them, there's like a divider between two students and they one builds a tool and then gives directions to the other student on how to build that using the same materials, but they can't see it. So it's like an intro to coding, but my real goal was how can you clearly communicate your idea? Because you might have the best idea in the world, but if you can't explain it to somebody, then it's pretty much useless because then it can't ever happen. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. I love that activity. And I think it's important when you start that one that you set the goal as, hey, to be successful in this challenge, you have to communicate well. It doesn't matter to me if whatever the widget is looks cool and it shouldn't matter to you either. It's about how you communicate. Mm -hmm. And so I've had issues with that. I learned that kind of the hard way last year is I had one group that just would not get along. One kid who was really brilliant would do all the work and it would be a fabulous design and it would work really well. I said, hey, you know what? The goal of this was to work well as a team. So did you succeed? And he'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> so well then, because I don't really care if you can build a roller coaster out of toilet paper tubes. I want you to work well as a team and y'all all, all right. design. So setting that standard and saying, this is the expectation and explicitly say to work well as a team. I mean, your students need goals just like everybody else does. So having those stage one STEM challenges are huge. One of my favorite ones is the space docking. Yeah. I usually use that at the beginning of the year. 
which is so challenging because I think there's six students. How many students do you usually use with that challenge? Six. Mm -hmm. Six. Yeah. So big group. Eight. I think I have a version of eight. Yeah. You can get pretty big. Yeah. So that's where you have the ring or bowl that you have to balance a ball on while you're all holding it from like, looks like an octopus (laughs) from ropes and they have to pick it up without the ball falling off and then go set it in another bowl. And so they really have to communicate and you have to talk about that. And yeah, so any kinds of those challenges, I sprinkle them out throughout the year because we always need refreshers on how to work well as a team. Giving your students as many opportunities as possible to work as a team, to communicate, to collaborate, to fail at it, and then we can group discuss. I always change up teams throughout the year. If possible, they'll never have the same team just so that they know, hey, in the real world, you're not going to get to choose who you work with. That's so mean, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) So so you can't be with your friends. (laughs) You purposely put them with people they don't get along with. This is a test. I mean, sometimes I'll put them in like with people they, the older kids, I'll put them with people they have a crush on or something just (gasps) for my entertainment. Just see how awkward they are. (laughs) Behind the scenes of a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, teachers, y'all do that too. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Yeah. So those would be my biggest tips on how to work well as a team, but hang in there. If it's your second year, Robert of teaching STEM, you'll, you'll find a groove. What else do you have? Talking about some team rules could be something to help. So in space club, we would have a space club oath that we came together as a class, which included, you know, being respectful and those kind of things that as a team, you can decide what should we do to make sure that we can work together, right? Like always listen to each other's ideas. Don't make fun of each other, like things that are kind of obvious, but sometimes you just need to be really explicit with the kids on this is appropriate behavior. And I like your awesome point example where you're pointing out Yes, what they just did, that's good. And then, oh, this we should do better. But giving them how to do better and modeling that behavior, I think, is so important. We assume that kids know how to be appropriate and how to treat each other. But sometimes they don't get that at home and we have to teach them at school. And I think that's an important part of teamwork. That's so true. And if you think about it, I mean, you have two kids. I have two kids at home. And so they're, most of their practice and working well together is with their sibling. Mm. We all know how that goes. Yeah. So the majority of their practice working as a team is probably not the best. Right? <laughs> Remy just hits Madeline. So <laughs> right. yeah, probably gets physical. So uh, yeah, modeling that is absolutely important. Okay, well, Robert, I hope that helps you out and hope that helps any other teachers. If anybody has any other tips on how to facilitate good teamwork and engineering design challenges, please let us know and comment on our website or in the comments. Give us some feedback. And I just want to say that we posted on Instagram (laughs) one of our awkward ways of trying to sign off on a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Natasha for posting that. Um, And we got some really great responses with some advice on how we should end. So today's podcast closing is brought to you by 
Instagram follower Latte Lover Three. Until next time, space out. Do 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 do